Yeah. Blessings to you all. Um, I just want to bring uh, greetings from our church up in Auckland, from Faith Point Church. And uh, this morning I, I come across a... Um, thanks. Greg, I come, I come across a Facebook thing that says, Yahoo, they're out of town, let's party at Faith Point. And I kid you not, those guys are not kidding, you know. So they'll come, we'll come back. You know, if, you're a, 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 if you've got adult kids like me, when the kids are home on their own, it isn't like when mum and dad are there. So they're going to have a ball this morning, and we probably have to clean up, but that's what we always do. <laughs> this morning, I just want to bring a word that I've, um, this is a brand new toy, this one, Flash A. You just have to hope that when you say slide, it doesn't fall off the pulpit, is all. <laughs> so <laughs> this, um, this morning, as I was praying, and last week as well, I felt God wanted to give this word to this church um, and it's found in Haggai, chapter 2. And don't worry, I'm not going to preach. Um, I, that's why I brought James, you know. <laughs> I brought him, he didn't bring me. Just to, just, to, just, to, you know, just to be clear. So um, we're good. So from chapter 2, it says this. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through with the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedek, get that right, the high priest and to the remnant of the people. Ask them this, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I once again shake the heavens, the earth. <laughs> I think you Wellingtonians can do with a bit more shaking, according to you. <laughs> Shake the heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Silver and gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will give you peace. The thing is, this conversation was had when the building had to be rebuilt, not when they came to an already existing building and then built on top of that. When something is rebuilt, it's flattened to the ground. So God has had to do a few things within the rock, I believe. To start again, the foundations have been rattled and shaken and God's pulled out all the rubbish and he's stuck some more stuff in it. So what I'm saying, what I feel God is saying is this, change is taking place. There's not going to be some more shaking, rattling. You guys are on the rebuild. And so there is no way that you're going to be able to build on what was formerly theirs. The building and that I'm not talking about. I'm talking about the foundations that go deep, that hold this house where it is, you know. And so God is beginning the rebuild. So the thing now you have to say is, in this change, Lord, what's it going to look like for me? Where do you want me to be? And I, t- I tell you this, when you look in this, everybody had to do it. Rebuild, restart, begin again, work together, form relationships, not just for the sake of it, but so the whole body can move as one. Amen? Thanks. Now, do you prefer me up or down? Down, definitely down. Praise praise God that true humility is when... (laughs) True humility is when one lowers himself... Not when he's been told by others to be lowered. <laughs> okay, all right. So you're all right down here, or is it better? I just don't know what, what's your better viewpoint. Better up. Better up. Okay, up. That, that's what I suspected. So up we go. See, promotion comes not from the, but from the crowd. Amen. 
Well, it's, um, it is a, a great joy to be here at The Rock again. We love coming to The Rock. We love coming to see the spiritual formation, the growth, the changes, the things that God is doing in his life. You know, you're a holy habitation by the Spirit. And God works in us by the Spirit, not by the machinations of man, uh, not by the uh, manipulation of men, but a true spiritual house is built by the Holy Ghost. And uh, when we align ourselves and we come into alignment with what God is doing, then God truly can form something fresh in us and through us to the glory of his name, which is what I feel the Lord was saying through Viv this morning. Uh, we thank Greg and Danny for having us. It's, you know, it's always great to preach in your own house, but it's also great to be able to uh, get out of your house and actually sense and feel what the Lord is doing in, in other places around the world. And I want to tell you that Christian leaders all around the world are being really challenged at the moment. And um, I've done a lot of speaking outside of my own church over the last uh, 12 months, and uh, I'm just sensing some tremendous shifts that are taking place in Christian leaders. And uh, we're really being brought back to some, uh, some of the foundational truths of Scripture, and uh, where there's been, there is a real season of uh, God revealing truth into the leaders of the church. So it's not business as usual. Oh, no. If you take business as usual and let's just, let's just build on the old wineskins, we're only going to get what we've always got. And, you know, six, five, six, seven percent of the population of New Zealand is not good enough to get what we've always got. We need a breakthrough in this nation. And, uh, and God's going to do it through a holy habitation by the Spirit. And uh, so that's what he's building here at The Rock. That's what he's building in Auckland and other parts of the world. Uh, we pray for your church regularly. Uh, you need to know that. We pray for Greg and Danny. And, uh, and also, you know, um, we have Greg probably two or three times a year now up at, uh, in Auckland. And I don't really want to say this because I know you get a fat head. And, um, but, um, you know, uh, one of his recent messages is one of the most downloaded uh, podcasts that we've had in our church. So how about that? So give him a hand this morning. Um, and uh, he's, he's become a real friend of Faith Point, and, and him and Danny, and, uh, and so we really appreciate their friendship and what God is doing in their lives. But today, Lord, we just uh, we want to um, come, and uh, we do want to lower ourselves before you. We do want to come without any agenda except to open our hearts to receive the implanted word of God. Lord, your word has power, and uh, we don't want to neutralize its effect by hidden agendas, uh, Lord, by biases and prejudices that we all carry. But we pray today, Lord, that we would just have a neutral filter over our heart and mind, and that uh, the word would be quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it would divide asunder soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and discern the very thoughts and intents of our hearts this morning. We thank you. Your word brings life. It's powerful. And uh, so, Lord, today we are asking that the anointing of the Spirit will abide and rest upon the hearers of your word today. And God, help us. Help us not to be hearers only, but doers also, not deceiving ourselves. This morning we're asking in the name of Jesus. Help me now, Father, to share what you have placed upon my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I sent Rochelle the word uh, and some questions and stuff, but um, you know how you often, as, as sons of God, you'd be having conversations with people, and as you're talking to people, God's having a conversation with you. So I had one of those yesterday, and uh, so I went home last night after the dinner and, and kind of revamped, uh, not revamped, just something brand new that I want to share with you this morning. Um, that I feel is uh, prophetic for a number of people. It's really quite a personal word for you this morning. And uh, so I pray that that would be taken uh, in the spirit that it is um, given today. So let's have a look at our opening, opening passage, John 8, 29, 32. Jesus is speaking. And he who sent me is with me. Who was that? Who was that? He, so the Jesus is talking, and he who sent me is with me. Who was that? The Father. Amen. The Father has not left me alone. There's the mark of true Christianity right there. The abiding presence of the Father in our lives. And listen to this. This is a remarkable statement. For I always do. 
Let's say that together. I always do the things that please him. Right there, you have a message. I should say amen and go home. (laughs) And as Jesus spoke these words, many believed in him. Why these words? Because we know that wasn't the case with lots of other situations he was in. In fact, he had the opposite effect where they wanted to kill him. You know why? Because the mark of authenticity upon any believer's life is the presence of God hanging around your life. And Jesus said, he sent me, he's always with me, and as a result of him always being with me, I always want to do the things that please him. There's a true son, daughter heart right there. I always want to do, in other words, not what, what pleases me, not man-pleasing or self-pleasing, but God-pleasing. And there's a shift in our, all of our lives to shift from a consumer-centered, me-centered ideology that's so prevalent in Western culture to shift from being at all about me to being all about him. And then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, he's now talking to the converted. He's now saying, if you want to move on from here, they've just said that they believed in him. And now he's saying to them, Uh, if you abide in my word that, word, that means to be remained, to remain in, that means to be locked down into. If you lock yourself down into my word, then you are my disciples indeed. So you're not just what my friend Norm McLeod in Gisborne says. He says, you're not just hooey hooey, all about meeting and talking all the time, but you're dewey dewey. So we go from hooey hooey, it's all about just meeting and talking about it all the time, to dewey dewey. He says, you are my disciples indeed, in practice, in reality. And you shall then know the truth. That word know is not give mental agreement to, but experience. Then you will experience the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Wow. So I believe that we're now walking prophetically, just make a few statements this morning, we're now walking in a season where God is bringing revealed truth to the body of Christ. And what revealed truth does is it confronts. When God suddenly reveals something to your heart, you have a decision. Am I going to accept what God is speaking to me about or am I going to reject it? And Jesus had this effect on everybody that he met. He polarized the audience. The Bible says that he he had a year of popularity where massive crowds followed them. And then he started started giving some defining statements to them that unless you eat my bread and unless you eat my flesh and drink of my blood, then you cannot be a part of me. And many left. Because he started laying down defining statements about what it meant to be a true follower of Christ, a real disciple. And so people loved the miracles, they loved the presence, but when the, def- the, the definition came about what it meant to walk with Christ, then many turned around and walked in the opposite direction. They weren't prepared to pay the price of being a true follower of Christ. I believe that uh, this season is a season where God's people are getting it about walking with the presence of God in their lives. And I'll talk a little bit about this in our meeting this evening, about how you can do that, how you can continuously build and draw from a well in your life, and if necessary, re-dig wells within your life in order to discover the ongoing abiding presence of God. Because the presence of God in the marketplace is how this nation is going to be one to Christ. It's not going to be just in Christian meetings. It's not going to be just a revival mentality of come to church and get saved. It's going to be an apostolic company of believers who 
because the Father has sent them into the marketplace, then the world will know who Jesus is. Are you following me, church, this morning? So I'm just getting a few prophetic things off my heart this morning. It will be marked by a season of knowing the, the body is living for God's pleasure instead of our own pleasure. Uh, for I always do the things, Jesus said, that please him. And the outcome, the true acid test of all of this is, is how free are we? Because if we do all that, Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from the power of sin, free from your anger, all those things that Greg prophesied and declared about this morning. That's what God is talking about today. And when we walk in true spiritual freedom, then we begin to discover that all of heaven is behind you. And nothing by, except nothing can stop the body of Christ from revealing Jesus to the world. And we desperately need that today. I always do the things that please him. The Bible describes acts of devotion in our life as a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Isn't that amazing? True acts of devotion that are motivated from a right heart are described as sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. Look at Philippians 4.18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. Oh, awesome. Isn't that cool? I am full. He's writing this from a prison cell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have all. And I'm abounding in this rotten, dirty dungeon prison cell. <laughs> because it's not about material things when you discover the truth. It's about the life within. I, am, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you. Listen to this. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. This is how he describes acts of devotion by the church towards him as a leader within the church. Their acts of love were described as a sweet-smelling aroma. I want to ask you the question today. <clears throat> what kind of fragrance is coming off our lives this morning? Neutral? Can't smell anything. <laughs> stale. Everyone knows what stale, smelly socks smell like. <sighs> hey. Acrid, rancid. Something that's gone, milk that's gone off, been left out of the fridge. We all know that smell. Because it hasn't been kept fresh, hasn't been kept alive. What kind of fragrance, if God was to describe what's coming off your life today, is it one of irritation, anger, impatience, or is it one of love, joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost? Oh, it's a big question this morning, isn't it? And not always good to be answered by ourselves, because we'll, we'll always answer it better than what the truth is. <laughs> you need to say, honey... How would you describe the fragrance coming off my life lately? And if you've got a wife like mine, who speaks the truth in love, actually, I'm glad you asked, James. You've been irritating. You've been impatient. You've been moody. Or is it, I just, you are the best husband in the world, sweetheart. <laughs> I can't find the words to describe how wonderful you've been lately. You're such a sweet smell to me, darling. Let me tell you something. The fragrance that came off Jesus Christ's life was unmistakable. There's one thing that people could not ignore Jesus. Everywhere he went, he brought an unmistakable aroma that came off his life because 
He wasn't self-serving. He was selfless. He was others-centered, not me-centered. He lived from a different paradigm that anybody else had lived from. And, and, and as a result of it, you know what? I could describe it as the word that comes to my mind if I could describe the life of Jesus as one of intrigue. I wonder if there is a perfume called that, intrigue. There probably is. There probably is. But when you met Jesus, you were intrigued. How do your workmates describe you? Intriguing? They want to find out more because of the way that you've been living your life in the workplace. To me, that's the acid test. We can all put on a Sunday morning face. We can be on our best behavior here in this place. But it's not here in this place. That's the real test. It's the real test is out there when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Hallelujah. Living a life of worship and adoration before God has its challenges. We, are all, we all understand that. How many of you face distractions in your life? You know, I'm a, I've, I've got one of those minds. I've got one of those minds that's going off in 20 different directions at once. My biggest issue in, in my personal life is one of distraction. I get on all these sidetracks and I just have to master trying to stay on track and be focused. That's my weakness. And that's a bad weakness if you're a Christian leader because you've got to stay on target. You've got to stay on, on track. Maybe it's disappointments. You had a few curveballs that have come your way recently. Things that you never, ever thought would ever happen to you. You know, I, life can be really challenging, especially if you're not living from the right place. And disappointments can knock you off your perch. Busyness, trials and heartache, they all have massive challenges for us to leap over in order to stay on track with God. Amen? Pastor James, can, I, can you answer this question for me? Does does heaven really even take notice? Does heaven ever really take notice of my acts of personal devotion and selflessness? And that's what I want to focus in on today. This is what I felt I wanted to share with you today. And this is what really struck me. The core of this message came out of the context where I was reading the word just recently. And I discovered that Mary surname Magdalene, and the Apostle John is the only one that reveals her identities wherever she's mentioned in other places of the gospel. But the three times that she's mentioned in detail in the gospels, all three, she's found in a physical position in all three different situations. Not same situation, different authors looking at it from different views. Three different situations She's found sitting at the feet of Jesus, and in all three situations, something remarkable took place because she positioned herself at the feet of Jesus Christ, and as a result, something explosive came out of her life that was a testimony. And if we want to know the answer to that question, does God take notice? Does he really, does heaven really take notice when I'm doing my best to please him? Listen to this, Matthew 26, verse 13. Assuredly, I say to you, who? Mary Magdalene. Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. This happened after she poured out basically a year's worth of wages and one act of worship. A fragrant devotion of worship when she broke the alabaster jar of very expensive perfume and she anointed Jesus' body for burial before he went to the cross. And Jesus is now memorializing this act of devotion in front of not just the audience of the day, but for all ages and all time, this act of devotion will be recorded in heaven and on earth because of what she'd done. Wouldn't you like that to be your story and your testimony because of your devotion to Jesus Christ? Wow, a global billboard of this act of devotion. So let's take a look at these three different situations this morning. 
And let's get straight into it. The first situation is found in Luke 10. And we find that Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and this is what she did. In this first situation we come across, and the Bible says, and she listened to the word. She listened to the word. Let's grab the context here. Now, it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. They actually became very good friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. There we are, right there. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Here's the deal, guys. The first thing that happened with Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus is that she discovered the blessing of God. And you know what Jesus said about that? He said, it can't be taken away from you. Now, I know and I've heard like every pastor has in reality. Oh, well, wouldn't it be great to be able to just sit at the feet of Jesus and who's going to get the work done? And if you're very task-orientated, one of the main hurdles that you're going to face in your life is people who sit at the feet of Jesus and don't seem to contribute anything towards serving in the house. Hello. (laughs) But I want to tell you today that we can work and worship. And we've got to discover both of them. We've got to discover that there is a blessing that can only be found by sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his word because his word brings life to you. His word brings power. His word brings revelation. And when you abide and remain in his word, you'll ask whatsoever you will and it shall be done for you. Open checkbook to heaven because you've learned to sit at the feet of Jesus. You've learned to listen to his word and you don't have to wait for Pastor Greg to give you the revelation of the week. You can get one yourself Every single day, 24-7, your spirit man can be open to the living God because you've discovered what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his word. And you know what? Here's a, I was, when I was reading this recently, this really hit me. When Jesus said, and it will not be taken away from her, from her and yet Martha complained And she's not bestowed with the blessing. Mary's bestowed with the blessing, even though Martha's doing all the work. Well, we've got this thing upside down, friends. We're so task-driven in our society. We're so work-orientated that we've so missed the mark that we're busy running around like headless chickens doing this, that, saying it's the work of the Lord. But Jesus is saying, you've lost the blessing. The blessing will be given to those who sit at my feet, hear my word, and then out of that context of receiving the blessing, then can then move out into all the world and begin to bestow upon the body. And you know, I want to show you a scripture in Philippians 2 that the Lord quickened to me about this regarding Martha's position. Because the Martha-Mary debate has gone on for all, all church history, has it not? We all understand the dilemma and the tension that this argument brings for our lives. Philippians 2.14, listen to this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Another version says without complaining. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So your radiance and your ability to shine is directly connected to your level of grumbling and complaining. If your light is dim, check your language. When people meet me, do you see them wanting to run for cover because all they're going to get is a mouthful of complaint and murmuring? Because you can't possibly shine your light when you're full of complaints and murmuring and grumbling. 
In fact, murmuring was one of the sins of the Israelites that caused them not to enter into the promised land. This is big on God's agenda. But listen to the connection. I want you to get this next connection. Listen to this. Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life. What was Mary doing sitting at the feet of Jesus? She was listening to the word of God. She was hearing the words of Jesus into her spirit. That's what relationship's all about. Husbands, if your wife is talking to you and all this, all she's seeing is a glazed look on your eye. And she says, are you listening to me? Yes, honey, I'm listening to you. What did I just say? <laughs> and that's when you realize that you weren't listening. Because that's not relationship. Relationship has been attentive to the one that you're in relationship with. So when we're in relationship with Jesus, we are being attentive to the words that he's bringing into our life. And we have an attitude of spirit around about our life where we're receiving the engrafted word. And we're holding fast to the word of life. So why? So that in that day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Friends, how many people are going to get to the great uh, judgment seat of Christ as believers, where we're not going to be judged on, uh, on eternity because Jesus has settled the issue for us. We're saved. But the Bible says there is a judgment seat that all, every Christian is going to face one day. And that judgment seat is not whether you go to heaven or hell. That's already been said. You're going to heaven. But the judgment seat of Christ is about rewards. It's about rewards. So your temporal existence on this earth, the true telling evidence will one day be found when you stand before Christ. And the Bible says that there will be a great suffering of reward for many and they, their lives will be described as running through the fire, but their salvation is intact, but they've been left with nothing because they've built nothing of eternal significance into their life. They've just got their ticket and their passport to heaven, and that's it. Friends, Christianity is much more than that. Whew. Are you with me this morning? You know, just recently in our prayer meeting, I always listen to the prophetic word. I love the prophetic because when the prophetic goes out of the, ch the church, and many contemporary churches have completely ignored the prophetic voice of God. They've cut it out. They've saying that's old school. That's classical Pentecostalism. Friends, when did the voice of God ever get old school? And so if we ignore, Paul said to Timothy, don't despise prophecy. So recently we were in a prayer meeting at Faith Point and one of the words that came out was, don't treat my word as a supplement. The word of God is never supposed to be a supplement. It's supposed to be the core diet of every believer. So if you're snacking here and there on the word of God, there's some adjustments because you'll never be able to get the fullness of the blessing of Christ unless you sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his word. So, we're blessed, the Abraham covenant, we're blessed to be a blessing. And you can only be a blessing if you got blessed. <laughs> what have you got to give without the blessing of God on your life? Top line, I will bless you. Abraham, Genesis 12, verse 1, I will bless you. Bottom line, so you will be a blessing to others. So sitting at the feet of Jesus, you gain the blessing that Mary took within her life, transformed her life. And as a result of her being blessed, she now could bless others. Don't try and bless others in your own strength. Don't try and bless others by the efforts of the flesh. Bless others by what you carry in God and be a blessing to them today. So Mary, there's three fragrances I want to talk about this morning. The first fragrance that we've just discovered is the fragrance of the word of God coming off our lives. There's a perfume of the aroma of God that comes off your life when you've sat at the feet of Jesus and you've listened to the word and you've received the blessing. And because you haven't got a murmuring or a complaining spirit, you've been able to hold fast to the word of God so you don't run in vain. Yeah. Secondly, second situation. Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother has died. Well, he's got sick. 
They send the word to Jesus because they know he's got power to heal sickness. They've seen it. Amen? They've seen it with their own eyes. So they say, Jesus, quickly come. The message gets through to Jesus, but he waits for four more days. What kind of a loving Savior is that? You heard the desperate situation that that our family's in, but you rock up after it's too late. He gets there four days later and Lazarus is dead. Friends, let me say this to you. I've had situations within my own life and ministry where I've tried to work it out and where I've said to God, you've got your timing all wrong, upside down, inside out. And Lord, you missed the boat because this happened. And as a result of this happening, I've suffered pain and heartache within my life. But you know what? He makes everything beautiful in his time. And often the timing and the synchronizing of heaven is so different to our earthly life that we've got to get clicked back into sync with the, with the authority and the timing of heaven around about our lives. So John 11, and when she had said these things, she went away and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Isn't that interesting? He comes and he calls for Mary. You know why? Because Mary's made a spiritual connection to Christ. God knows those who he can call upon to get his work done. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly. Siri, get away. (laughs) As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Listen to this now. Jesus had not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, listen to this, and saw him, she fell down where? At his feet. Saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, and he said, where have you laid him? Then they said to him, Lord, come and see, and Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Mary caught the blessing of God as she sat and listened to the word of God. And then you know what she did? She learned to be an authentic, real, non-hyper-faith Christian that actually said it like it was, not like she wanted it to be, and got real with her feelings. Lord, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. She was in grief. She'd lost her brother, no doubt one of her best friends. And here she is. So she brings and lays her burdens down to Jesus. Do you want to know how God feels about your burdens? Take a look at this verse. The Bible says, Jesus groaned from within and he wept. That's how God truly feels about what you're experiencing within your life. I know what it's like, friends. I know what it's like to be through. We've had six suicides in our immediate family. Viv's from a big family. She's number 11 out of 12 kids. We have, we've been through the agony of seeing people take their lives. When I moved to Auckland to take on an inner city church in 2005, within a first very short period of time, my oldest son was admitted to Middlemore Hospital with the onset of type 1 diabetes, whereas pancreas just stopped producing insulin. Nobody knows why. There's been no history in the family. And five years later, my second son is admitted to Auckland Central Hospital with type 1 diabetes. No explanation, no understanding. But you know what? Because I'm in relationship with Jesus, I could take my burden to God. I could take the way that I was experienced. I could tell it as it really was. I could get real with God about my feelings and my emotions. And I could let the burden of my life go at the feet of Jesus. Where I knew that he works all things together for good for those that love him and accord according to his purpose. I know what it's like to go through marriage problems. I know what it's like to go through difficulties in, your, in the relationships that are closest to you. Viv and I nearly killed each other in the first three years of our marriage. I am a survivor. 
I will survive. I've survived the full war, Hucker. The tire ha. Hallelujah. Jesus weeps when we weep. He knows the feelings of our infirmities. What you all need to do is what I've learned to do. When the, wor- when the world starts crumbling around you, you've got to sit at the feet of Jesus and offload the burdens of your life and give them to him. Be real. Be authentic about what you're experiencing within your life. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me. Don't run away. So many Christians, when things go bad, they run away from, they run away from God. They don't run to him. He says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. There's the promise for you. You made on it, and I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. We've had a number of issues that I can't even talk to you about today because the, the depth of them is so deep that nobody in this building, very few in this building, would actually understand what we've had to walk through as a family. And I'm not about doing that because there's some areas of privacy that I've got to protect in my life. But I want to tell you, there's been some issues that I've, went, that I've gone through. If I were to tell you, you would say, how could that ever happen to somebody, let alone a pastor? But I found rest when I brought it to Jesus. And when you find rest, you know what happens? You don't have to know all the answers. When you find God's rest in your life, you don't have to have a full explanation from him. You can trust him. Though you slay me, Job said, yet will I trust you. Oh, thank you, Father. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So she found the blessing. She offloaded the burden of her life. And you know what she discovered? This is a precious fragrance in your life. She discovered the fragrance of surrender. Of what it means to surrender in difficult situations in your life. When you're struggling for answers, you surrendered to God anyway. And rest comes to your soul. Thirdly and finally, this morning, John 12, this great act of devotion that was memorialized as a global billboard for all time and forever in the history of the Scriptures. It's six days before the Passover. Jesus is coming into that final week where he's going to the cross. How burdened would he hear his life have been, friends? He knew where he was going and what he was called to do. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, and there they made him supper. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. My word, what an amazing scenario. She takes this approximately thirty-five to 40000 New Zealand dollars of high-quality, very expensive perfume. It was about the average wage in her day. And she sacrifices it. And she breaks it open to an audience of one, Jesus Christ. She's not concerned about what people think about her. She's not concerned about what others are saying about her. Her whole focus is Jesus. And in one act of worship, she pours out her life to Jesus Christ. But we've got to capture the significance of this, friends. Because this, this is the fragrance of generosity. This is the fragrance of true worship, undiluted and pure before the heart of God. And you know why she could do this, friends? Do you know why she did it? Because, she, because you know what? Because in verse 7 of this thing, this is what Jesus says. Leave her alone when the critics come, and they come. When you start serving God with a whole heart, the critics come to your life, and they start knocking on your door. 
because you're too fanatical, you're too full on, you're too this, you're too that, can't you be a look, 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 look? And they come one after another. And Judas comes because he's a thief and he's greedy. He says, you should have sold this and given the money to the poor. You, what you mean, translated Judas, is that you should have sold this, put it in my money tin so I could steal it and keep it for myself. And Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone because she has anointed my body for burial. Here's the connect. Even his closest disciples didn't understand what he was doing going to the cross. In fact, Simon Peter tried to stop Jesus. And Jesus rebukes him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. So often we interpret our circumstances through our own thinking and not through God's revealed truth. And that's what Simon Peter did. But in this situation, Mary has made a connect. you know why? Because when she sat at the feet of Jesus, she heard him talking about him giving his life for the world. And the custom and the tradition of Middle Eastern days was that the body was anointed with special perfume in preparation for burial. So this is not just her having a good idea. This is a prophetic act preparing Jesus for his divine future heading into the will of God. Wow. She caught it in the spirit. Now she's acting upon it. And now as a result of that, the Bible is now saying that this one act of devotion is going to be displayed in every Bible that's ever bought. The top best-selling book every single year is the Holy Bible. And her story will be memorialized in the pages of that book because she sat at the feet of Jesus. She caught the anointing. She listened to the word. And she was able to move prophetically and align her life with the will of God and prepare Jesus for his destiny of releasing all he eternity into the hands of God because she understood the times and the seasons. She understood what God was doing in her life when nobody else understood. Friends, every time you give away from yourself, when you come to the feet of Jesus, you are exercising dominion over money. You are exercising an attitude of God that money won't have your life. And I say this to people because I've experienced this in my own life in some major ways where God's asked me to give away huge amounts of money. And I've said to the Lord, uh, you know, I've said, to, I've questioned the Lord. I've questioned the Lord about it. But this is the deal, friends. What you sow in life, you reap. So every time I exercise dominion over the fragrance of generosity and giving and over the fragrance of miserliness and miserableness, and I exercise my God-given right as a son of God, and I give generously to what God is doing, I am now empowering the church of Jesus Christ on its mission, just as Mary empowered Jesus by that fragrance of generosity, by anointing his body, preparing it for the will of God to be done. So too, when you exercise dominion over money and over wealth and you give away from yourself, this is what you're doing. You are now positioned for a harvest because as a man or a woman sows, they shall also reap. Something's coming back to your doorstep because you took dominion over that situation this morning. That is powerful today. I'm coming in for a landing today. And I've got to ask the question today. You know, Judas criticized. He criticized the work of Mary in this situation. And you know what a critic is? It's someone who knows the price of everything but doesn't understand the true value of it. That's what a critic is. Somebody who understands the price of something but they don't understand the true value of it. The true value of their act of worship before God. Can I ask you again this morning as we come in for a completion? I'm believing this morning the Holy Spirit has changed this message and brought this word to your lives today because somewhere along the way we've suffered some kind of a disconnect where we've been talked out of sitting at the feet of Jesus, where we've been talked into living a life of busyness 
and excluding Christ out of that. Where we've been supplementing ourselves on the word of God and snacking here and there. And we haven't received the living, abiding word of God into our lives. Therefore, we don't have the promise of the open checkbook to us anymore. If you abide in me and you allow my word to abide in me, you can ask whatsoever you will and it shall be done. Isn't that a remarkable promise? People say, well, I could ask to be a millionaire. I could ask to win lotto. No, friends, when you're abiding with God, you don't pray those sorts of prayers. When you're abiding in Christ, your whole prayer life changes because all of a sudden you're saying, Lord, what do you want me to pray? You're saying, Lord, I, I want to live a life in, that's motivated by your requests, not my requests. And things begin to change in our world. So what kind of a fragrance this morning? The true fragrance test is coming from your life today. I want you to notice something as I finish. Every single time in all three situations... Mary's acts of devotion were misunderstood by others. Do you know why? Because others are looking through the wrong filter. They haven't discovered the God kind of life. They're still trying to serve God in their flesh. They're still walking in their own strength. And friends, your flesh is strong. My flesh is strong. It's deceptive. It's overwhelming at times to make decisions that's at the core of it. We, when we haven't consulted God, it's still about my benefit before every other else's benefit because we live in such a me-centric society. Consumer-driven. Consumer-driven. Where now we have a supermarket mentality where people come shopping at churches to ask the question, what can you do for me and my family? Not what can my family and I do for the church. There's a massive difference in that attitude this morning. When we give Jesus first place in our life, we can come and we can find that place at his feet. I wonder today if you need to find that place at his feet afresh this morning. Has the busyness of your life pushed you away from the feet of Jesus? When's the last time you can say, God spoke to me and I heard his voice clearly asking me to do this and this. I still remember the first time as a new, brand new pastor in a small rural town. With friends, you want to try and get church growth in a town that, that struggles to get people into conservative churches, let alone Pentecostal churches. Rural communities are absolutely terrified about Pentecostal communities. They're weirdos. They speak in those other, you know, tongues. Those guys. And I can remember I was sitting at the feet of Jesus one day and the Lord said to me, I want you to go to 30, 38 Tiahuru Street. And I said, what do you want me to do, Lord? I heard his voice unmistakably as I was sitting. At the, it wasn't audible. It was in here. And he said, I just want you to go and be obedient. So I got in my car and I went to the address. I knocked on the door. And this uh, woman, middle-aged woman, uh, answered the door. I was only in my early 20s, brand-new pastor. And, I, and, I opened the, and she opened the door, and she said, yes. And I said, I don't really know how to explain this, but God's told me to come to your house. I didn't have anything else to go on. She said, come on in. Welcome into my house. And then she, as I walked into the house, she said, what would you like to tell me about? And I shared the gospel with her, and she got saved. Then her husband got saved. And then she said, I've got other people that need to hear about this. Would you like to talk to them also? Wow, fantastic. I would love to talk to them as well. You see, friends, your commissioning comes from the sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when you discover that place at his feet, I tell you what, nothing is impossible to them who believe. Can we stand to our feet this morning as we finish the service? Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. She got the blessing. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. She offloaded her burdens. Jesus wept. He feels the situation you and I are going through. 
And finally, she sat at the feet of Jesus and she gave her best, her very best. Nothing short of the best that she could give to God. Have you been shortchanging the Lord? Can I ask you that question? I know sometimes I'm a little bit of an upfront God, but God sent me here today to give you a message. And I want to ask you the question today. Have you been giving God your best? Jesus, I always do the things that please my Father. Could you close your eyes for a moment, please? I feel the anointing in this place this morning. I feel the transitioning power of God is in this place. Do you know what that means? That God's wanting to shift some of you today from where you are presently to where he wants you to be. It's called a transitioning anointing. He wants to make a shift. And how does he do that? He makes the shift in our hearts. And that shift can only happen if we let go. Let go this morning. Stop holding on to the old life. Let go and transition into what the Holy Spirit has set aside for your life. When you make that shift, all of heaven takes notice of your acts of devotion because it's no longer about you. It's about God and what he wants to do in your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, I release the anointing of God the Spirit into every heart in this place today. And I'm now praying, Father, shift, shift, transition us to the feet of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to lower ourselves. You said if we humble ourselves, then in due season you will exalt us. If we're prepared to lower ourselves rather than be lowered by God, then promotion is on its way in our lives. You will be exalted in due season. Will you humble yourself this morning? I'm going to open the altar right now in this place. We don't have to have any fanfare or music. This is, this is direct dialogue between you and the Lord this morning. If God has placed his hand upon your life this morning, if you feel the, the finger of God at work within your heart and you know you need to do business with God, maybe there's a healing, an inner healing that needs to take place. You're not going to get it unless you sit at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you've realized that you've been shortchanging the Lord and you haven't been giving your best and you've been coasting in your walk with God. This morning it's time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you've realized that you've been walking in your own strength. It's time to get the blessing. God says, I will bless you that you will be a blessing. So can I just ask right now, if you're prepared, can you get out of your seats where you are and let's do business with the King of Kings in the house of God this morning. If you feel the Holy Spirit upon your life this morning and there's something that God wants to transition and shift within your life, will you respond to him this morning, please? Please, will you respond to God this morning? Feel the gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit upon your life this morning. Don't fight God. Flow with the Spirit this morning. Will you come? Will you receive? Will you sit at the feet of Jesus this morning? It's time for a divine intersection of grace. Where if you're prepared to come, the grace will follow. The grace will follow. This is called synchronizing with heaven. This is a holy synchronizing moment where we're saying, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. You may be here today and you're backslidden. You've walked away from God and you've walked into this service today. It's time to give your life back to Christ. Will you come for that reason this morning? Maybe you've never been a Christian and you've realized this morning that God's hand has been upon your life. It's time for you to come this morning and give your life to Jesus Christ. It's the single greatest thing I've ever done in my life. Second to marrying my wife, the greatest thing that I ever did was to give my life to Jesus. Give my life to Jesus. Guys on the desk, can we have some worship music? We've got some there. And I'd just like us to, to play that softly through the sound system because we're going to release 
the prayer team now to come and minister to these ones. If you still haven't come, but you know you need to come, there's always room for you at the altar this morning. What happens at the altar? You get altered. God wants to alter and change lives in the house of God this morning. You know, Sandra, I just, Sandra, I just saw, I was looking at you this morning in the worship. And I just really want to encourage you. I, I really feel that there's been a season within your life where, where pieces of the puzzle have been on the, the desk, but they haven't been quite, you've been looking at it, it's like one of those wasjig puzzles, and you're thinking, where does everything fit in my life at this season? But I just want to say, when I look at you and you're playing your instrument, my heart just desires to worship God. Well, you, you're like, as I looked at you this morning, you were like a musical note on a, on a sheet of paper. And that anointing that you carry to bring people into the presence of God is very, very strong on your life. And it's going to get stronger. As you come and sit at the feet of Jesus, God's going to release new levels of the anointing of God in the area of worship and music within your life. I, don't, I, could, I could start really getting a flow now, but I really want to concentrate on what's happening at the altar today. So um, you can just turn it up a bit. Thanks. That's great. Okay. Can I have the prayer team please to come? And we're going to begin to pray. Father, I release, uh, Lord, your people this morning. I pass it back to Pastor Greg, and I just pray, Lord, my, I've, I'm the messenger, and I've been faithful to bring your message. So I now commit this service to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So just if the elders and discipleship leaders can come and lay hands on people and just, um, just pray. also encourage you, if you know someone that's here, come and stand beside them. So if you're walking as we've been talking about as a community, come and stand beside your brother and sister and pray as well.